Psalms 60 through 62 are great lessons for us in keeping our faith. Psalm 60 gives us some important information in its title. We're told it's to the choir master, according to the Shushan Edith, a mictum of David, for instruction when he strove with Aram Naharam and with Aram Zobah. And when Joab, on his return, struck down 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Salt. Now, we don't know what Shushan Edith is. It's maybe another tomb. And we don't even know what a miktum is either. But we do know a very key interpretive lesson for this psalm. We know why David wrote this. It's for our instruction. It was written after a time of violent confrontation, we're told, which we possibly have alluded to in 1 Kings 11, 15 through 16, but we don't read about it much anywhere else. The psalm, though, makes it apparent that David and Israel had suffered some setbacks in this war. And David, he attributes all of it to God. God is the one who broke down the defenses. He's the one who made the people see hard things. And what's interesting is that we're never told why God has rejected Israel in this instance. And it's not likely an answer we're ever going to get, no matter how much we crave it. And there are so many answers that we want to know when we see tragedies like this. We see the recent example of what's happening in Israel and Gaza. And with so many innocents caught in the crossfire, why is God allowing anything like this to happen? Why are there so many sad songs in the Psalms complaining about the victorious enemy? Shouldn't God have prevented any of that from happening in the first place? And then we ask a little bit more personally, why did the horrible thing in your life ever happen? We want to know why these things happen, just as we want to know why they suffered a defeat in Psalm 60. But as much as we want those answers, they're not given to us this side of heaven. Yet still, David wants us to learn something from all this. Even though David is driven back by his enemies, even though God makes him see some difficult things, David is still able to write in verse 12 that with God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. And this is what David is trying to say in everything from verses 6 through 9 as well. Those verses to us look like a geography lesson, but an Israelite would see God's guarantee of the promised land in those verses. God looks at the land of Israel, and he says, all of that is mine. And this one loss has not changed anything about that or my promise to give that to my people. And those enemies like Moab and Edom all they are are the dirty shoe rack and washing tub. The lesson is that even though we see a temporary setback right now, that will never mean that God has given up on or failed to keep the larger promises that he has made to us. We look at the promises that he's made to us today as Christians, and he's promised you eternal life through his son. He's promised you join the spirit. He's promised you the peace that comes with his hope. And he's also promised that we'll be persecuted for his name. And we're not always going to have the answer as to why God is letting some of those bad things happen. But David has given us instruction that you might see some of these difficult things in life, but the last thing you're going to see is God's victory. Now in Psalm 61, we see that same general theme. The psalmist is calling on God because he remembers that he's always been a refuge for him. It's a prayer like this that helps us have the confidence that we see in our previous reading. Why do I call out to God in the midst of defeat? Why do I still depend on him while fleeing from disaster? Because he's gotten me through everything else up to this very day, so why start doubting him now? 
it might seem odd to us in verses 6 through 7 to have this shift of prayers now for the king. What does he have to do with all of our sorrows? Well, a king was instrumental to a nation's success. We read throughout the book of Kings and Chronicles how various kings either did or didn't walk in the ways of God. And the kings you wanted to live under would be the kings that chose God. So the psalmist is asking for the life of the king to be extended because a good king meant a good life for everyone. And finally, Psalm 62 is a psalm of confidence in God that helps us put all of our options into perspective. David begins by devoting himself completely to God's protection. For him alone, David waits. He alone is David's rock and salvation, and nothing is going to shake that foundation. And from this foundation, David can look down on his enemies, and he's not bothered at all. If anything, he's a little confused as to why they keep trying to get at him, but he's not at all afraid. He asks, how long are you going to keep attacking me? Why are you trying to take me down? Don't you know who my God is? And aside from these few questions, David is simply able to wait in peace and quiet. He's not distressed to the point of crying out. He's not scared to the point of despair. He just sits comfortably with God. In verse 8, David begins to instruct us, his audience, to also have God as our only hope. God isn't just a fortress for David, but for us as well. And it doesn't matter who comes after you, rich or poor. They're just a breath, a delusion, less than nothing. We can have God protect us. And on the flip side, David says, don't be turning to extortion, robbery, or riches for protection because you'll be fighting against God as he protects his people. God has said that he will judge the world according to its works, but he has steadfast love for those who trust in him. If we're tired of crying out in pain or for help, we can depend on God to save us from anything.